welcome to the podcast for St. Andrew's Community United Methodist Church, a loving, caring, overcoming community of faith where our mission is making disciples of Jesus Christ. Jamie and her boyfriend and another friend went out one evening. They decided to go to a club and have a few drinks. And as they sat at the bar, they overheard a conversation the bartender was having. He talked about how the night before, there were four police officers that came into the bar. They confronted one of the patrons, and then they handcuffed him and began to get rather rough and violent with him as they escorted him out of the building. Jamie was disappointed to hear this. She thought it sounded like a case of police brutality, and she was angry about it. A couple hours later, as they were sitting there, in came six members of a SWAT team in full gear. They went up to her boyfriend and said, we have been looking for you, and they began to manhandle him, and they handcuffed him, and they dragged him to the center of the bar. That's when Jamie had enough and she went up and she was protesting and she was screaming at them and she grabbed the arm of one of them and she said, if you're going to arrest him, you should have a, a warrant for his arrest that you've got to show me. So he pulled a piece of paper out of his pocket and he handed it to her and she looked at it and said, will you marry me? And then she knew what was going on. She said yes and invited all six SWAT officers and the conniving bartender to the wedding. Haley was approached by a friend and asked, could you help me plan the perfect proposal? I'm not very creative. I don't know how to do this. I want to pop the question to my girlfriend. Will you help me plan this? And Haley was all in. She was excited. She found the venue. They went to a beach resort. She talked to the staff there about here's what we need you to do. And she picked everything, the music, the flowers, the lighting, the costume. She picked everything they would have. She worked hard at it all day. And then during the party, when it was time for the proposal, all of a sudden the spotlight was shining on her. And she looked, and here came her boyfriend who got down on one knee and presented her with the ring, asking her to marry him. She said, I felt ugly. I felt tired and sweaty from all the work I had done. But I had planned the perfect proposal. So how could I be mad? It was very sweet and quite annoying. I don't know if it's because we watch a lot of TV or we watch a lot of movies, but have you noticed that big events in life are now productions? Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I mean, when you have a, a big moment, you want it to be memorable. But one of the, maybe we should blame social media for it because as soon as it's out there, you've got to post it so everybody can see it. You know, it, it, just imagine we are raising up a generation of kids right now that someday they're going to say, hey, Mom and Dad, did you know if I was going to be a boy or girl before I was born? And they're just going to scroll through their phone and find the gender reveal party video that they keep with them. Kids go up, Grandma, Grandpa, what was it like when y'all got engaged? And Grandpa says, oh, I remember it so well. We had been 
talking about it for some time, and I'd been carrying a ring around in my pocket just waiting for the perfect moment to happen. One day, I was getting off work, and here came your grandma, and I knew that this was going to be the moment because the, the sunset behind her was this brilliant, bright, red, orange, purple display of God's beauty, and I knew this was the moment. She came, and I just got down on my knees, and I said, will you please marry me? And I had a friend that was there, and he took a picture of it. That's what's on the mantle in our house. Oh, Grandpa, that's great. Grandma, is that how you remember it? Nope. I knew your grandpa was going to be plowing the south fields that day, and we were both having a long week, so I told him, when you get done, you need to come into town, and we're going to go to dinner tonight. Of course, when I got off work, he wasn't there. I was afraid something happened because I knew he was plowing the south fields, and I wanted to make sure there wasn't an accident, so I rushed out to the farm, and when I got there, he was sitting on a tractor laughing and yucking it up with his neighbor that lives down the road. And I was furious. And he saw me walking up, and you could see the look in his eyes that he knew trouble was about to happen. And so he jumped down off the tractor. He ran, and he got on his knees to beg forgiveness in front of me. But I was so mad, and that must be when he remembered he had a ring in his pocket. So he pulled it out, and he said, would you marry me? And I was bound to make him pay for this for the rest of his life. So I said yes. And he had a friend there that took a picture of it. <laughs> Engagement. Engagement is status in a relationship. It's somewhere between single and married, or maybe it's between committed relationship and married, but you can go on social media and if ask for your relationship, you can put your status on there. And so whenever it is we think about what it means for us to be as disciples, engagement is actually the new metric that a lot of people are saying we ought to keep by now. For example, when, when I was in high school, when I was in college, when I'm prepping for ministry, the question that people would ask is, how many people are active in your church? Sometimes it would be how many members do you have. I've never found membership to be a good indicator of activity. How many people are active in your church? And when I was in high school and college, pretty much if you didn't go to church every Sunday, you weren't considered active. Y'all remember that? And then shortly after I got in ministry, the metric changed, and now it was, well, if you're not in church at least two Sundays a month, you're probably not active in your church. And then about 20 years ago, it changed again. That if people came to church one Sunday a month, they felt like they were an active participant in what was going on in the church. And today, it's changed even more because now you don't have to walk through the doors to be active in a church. Those that worship online, those that worship on demand, consider this to be their spiritual home. And so the idea of activity is not always an accurate measure. In, in some senses, when people said, you know, how many members do your church have? I would respond, well, that's not really a good indicator of our church size and strength and health. What we look at are nickels and noses. You know, what can we count? 
But today, the metric is engagement, relationship status with Christ and a community of faith. There's a lot of different metrics that fall under that that you use to measure things. And that's what we're going to be looking at over the next three Sundays after this one. For four Sundays, we're going to talk about engagement because we're beginning to look ahead at what we're going to do in 2023. How are we as a church people going to be committed? Because the word engagement can actually be defined as a pledge. Now, that's what you're used to in the month of October. You've got to bring your pledge card, right? which, again, is a term I don't like. I prefer the term estimate of giving. But what's your engagement going to be in the church? Today, I want us to consider this part of engagement. People who serve. People who serve is a way that we measure engagement in a community of faith. Now, scripturally, there's a whole bunch of things we could look at. We could look at Jesus telling the parable of the sheep and the goats. You, you probably remember it. It's where he said he's going to divide them into sheep and goats. And, and to the sheep, he's going to say, you know, for you fed me when I was hungry and you clothed me when I was naked. And when I was sick and in prison, you came to visit me. And they said, Lord, when did we ever see you in that condition? He said, anytime you've done it to one of the least of these, you've done it for me. And we understand that that's a way that we serve those who are sick and in prison, and that's how we uh, feel the needs of mercy for uh, clothing people and feeding people and helping people because we're helping the Lord. Or we could just look at something as simple as Jesus saying, whenever you offer someone a cup of water in my name, that is an act of mercy. But I want us to go back because I don't want us to think this is just something that Jesus initiates. It actually goes all the way back to the covenant relationship that Abram and God make. It said Abram believed, and Abram's name was changed to Abraham. Abram believed, and God credited it to him as righteousness. But part of the promise of this is that all peoples of the earth, even us today, all peoples of the earth will be blessed or cursed by the way we receive Abraham. His life, his faith, his deeds. If people could see in Abraham something that attracted them to God, it would be because Abraham was a servant who lived in service to God. And each subsequent generation, when thinking of engagement, has been a people who serve God by serving neighbors. Abraham's descendants were faithful in that. Most of the time. Not always. Because we know reading through the Old Testament that part of what happens is the people of God are taken out of the land of promise or taken away as slaves into exile. And we think it's primarily because of their idolatry, which is true. But there was more criticism than that. If you read the story of the prophet Amos, Amos talks about how you sell the needy for a pair of sandals. In other words, the people of God were exploiting the poor. And God said, stop doing that. You need to serve the poor. But the people don't, and they're taken off into exile. And while they're there, God continues to speak through the prophets. And one of the things that we would know is that 
the actions of our life should be evidence of our engagement with God. So let's think just a moment about what God says to the people when they return. He speaks this through the prophet Isaiah. And I think you're going to know why I like this. You will be called priest of the Lord, ministers of our God. You will feed on the treasures of the nations and boast in their riches. Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Oh, beloved, could y'all figure out why I like that scripture? I mean, if you have been here for any amount of time, if you are a member of this church, you should absolutely 100% know why I like that scripture. It's because of the language that it uses in telling us who we're going to be. The people of God are in exile, and when they're going back to the land that God had promised them, he's telling them you're not going to be the same. You're going to have a new identity. An identity where you're not just concerned about yourselves, but you are concerned about other people. You will be called ministers. Would y'all say this with me this morning just because I want to kind of make sure you're not rusty at remembering this. I am a minister called by God, gifted by the Holy Spirit, ordained through baptism. I am a minister and I offer my gifts in service to Christ. Engagement in our status and our relationship with Christ is to be people who serve. When the people went from their exile back to the promised land, yeah, they had to rebuild their homes. They had to rebuild their lives. They had to rebuild the temple that had been destroyed. They had to rebuild the community. So part of our identity as the people of God is to be a people who serve as ministers. We dare not consider ourselves merely to be volunteers. Volunteers are like, oh, this is pretty cool. I, I, I want to help with this. I like this. And we do that for a while, and maybe it's got even an extended shelf life, but it doesn't last forever. But when we are ministers, we understand this is who God made us. This is part of what Pastor Josh was preaching last week, that we are saved by grace through faith. We can't take credit for it. It's not a reward that we earn. It is a free gift of God, and God begins to transform us into a masterpiece. And then, because we are saved by grace, God has work planned for us to do. God has work that we don't have to do, but that we get to do. Who does the work God has planned for them? It's not a volunteer. It's a minister. It's part of our identity as the people of God that we serve as ministers. And one of the things I would ask you as you're thinking ahead for 2023 is we're thinking of how is it that we are going to be engaged 
as disciples of Jesus Christ, how are you going to serve? If that's what we are, if we're people who serve, how are we going to do that? If somebody sitting around you were to ask you after the service, don't ask right now, that would be rude. And they said, hey, where are you going to serve next year? Do you have a plan? Do you have an idea how you're going to do that? It's part of your identity. I know some of you will say, well, you know, I... I've been asked to serve and help leading the church by serving in this capacity or that capacity. You have an answer to that. You know. But maybe some of you are unsure. If you look in your bulletin this morning, which feel free to do that, that front flap on the inside gives opportunities for service. Now, let me just mention some of these. The first one, I believe, it says are pew pocket suffers, which I always find to be rather amusing because we don't have pews. However, if you look at the back of the chair in front of you, you will notice that in the pocket there are offering envelopes and there are prayer cards and there's a pen and there might be something else. I don't know what all's in there because I don't stuff the pew pockets. But that stuff doesn't just magically show up. There are people that want to serve and they come in and they fill the pockets when the pockets are empty. The great thing about that is they can do it whenever they want. We don't say, now, we fill pew pockets Thursday at 4.15. We don't do that. No, people that want to serve can come in when they're able to and do that ministry. The next one, I believe, on the list is probably office help. I know it's hard to believe, but we actually do let office staff take off every now and then. They go to doctor's appointments, they have uh, a thing that maybe their kid's doing at school or maybe they're just taking vacation. Well, we have people that make the commitment to come in and answer the phone or receive the packages. Boy, do we receive a lot of packages around here. We've got to have people that sit at the front desk to smile and are the face of hospitality whenever someone comes into the church. I think the third one's probably the one that would be scary if you wanted to do it. Audio-visual technology. Oh, yes. Back in the back booth, we've got cameras. We've got lighting boards. We've got the computer board. We've got the soundboard. If you look at the soundboard, it's just scary. You don't want to touch it because you don't want to mess it up. Well, here's a good thing. If you were interested in helping there, it's a really good seat. You get to see the back of everybody's heads. But we train people how to do that. You may think, I don't know how to do that. Trust me, once upon a time, I knew how to do it. Now, I tend to stay far away from it because I don't want to mess it up. But if I had to, it's really not that hard to learn. I mean, because I've learned it before. And every Sunday, we've got people that sit back there because their ministry is to help us worship. And then what's the next one on the list? Greeters and ushers. Friends, I'm going to tell you, I just don't understand why people don't want to be greeters or ushers. I mean, maybe some people it's a social thing, or maybe some people there's a health risk. I acknowledge that. I understand that. But if you notice, for this service, most every Sunday morning, where do you find me when you come in? I'm standing at the door. 
so I can greet you. I love being able to greet people when they come in. One of the later services, sometimes we don't have an usher, and I will stand in the back, and I'll hand out the bulletins because I just love being able to greet people as they come in. And usually some skilled usher thinks I'm doing it wrong, and they come and take my place. Those aren't all the areas you can serve. Those are just the four, first four in the bulletin. Wednesday night, Kelly Gaston's in the back. She's our uh, chief cook. Are you the chief bottle washer also? Sometimes, yeah. But, but you, I bet you would welcome people that want to serve to help cook and serve and especially to clean on Wednesday nights. The tables and chairs we sit at at midweek, those don't set themselves up. We have people that set them up, take them down, put them away. We have people every Thursday, every Thursday, that are committed to feeding homeless people. Sue and Mike are in the back. They do that. I bet y'all would welcome some people to serve in that capacity. You know, that's probably like the only time you've said amen when I actually expected it. <laughs> Usually they give it when I'm telling a self-deprecating joke. So thank you for doing that today. You see, our identity as the people of God, what we do when we're doing the work of God is what we call ministry, and there are ways that you can engage in that. If you're interested in serving and we didn't lift something up that you could do, say, well, I would be interested in doing this if you ever need help. I mean, sometimes this past Monday we had a big project. I think if you remember, you probably got something in the mail from the conference. We got to send that out for the conference, and I told the staff, I said, this is all hands on deck. And we had a couple of people here at the church and they said, hey, we'll help with that because it's our identity. We're people who serve. But I don't want you to uh, get the wrong impression. The wrong impression would be, oh, this is the we need more help around the church sermon. No, 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 no. This is a sermon that we measure our engagement as people who serve. And let's be honest, sometimes God calls us to serve in places that have little, if anything, to do with our church. That we are called to serve in places in the community. Vacation Bible School, a few years ago, we began to notice that the older children, our sixth graders, they really weren't into making pipe cleaner you know, animals anymore. That just didn't excite them to do the crafts and we said, you know what? We need to do something different. Let's put our sixth graders in mission for the week. One of the things we did this last year, the first day, was we went to Early Wine Park, had our trash bags, and we just walked around picking up trash. And people saw us doing that, and they would ask, who are you, and why are you doing this? We said, oh, we're from St. Andrews, and we believe that we are called to serve in the community, so we're just here to pick up trash today. One of the members of our church, she actually told me I could use her names, Carrie Guarner. I don't know if y'all know Carrie or not. Carrie uh, used to be a school teacher, but this last year she made what she would consider to be a glorious decision. She retired. And when she retired, I, I mean, I was caught off guard by that, and I said, well, well what are you going to do? Do you have a plan? And, you know, are you going to substitute teach when substitute teachers are needed and she said oh she goes I've got a plan I said well what's your plan she goes I'm going to work with positive tomorrows do y'all know what positive tomorrows is I'd never heard of it before positive tomorrows is a program through public schools for 
homeless children. Homeless children tend to be very transient and itinerant in how they live. And this is a group of educators that are committed to giving these children a positive tomorrow by making sure they get their education. That's a glorious thing. I called Carrie. I said, I want to talk about this. Can I mention your name? She said, absolutely. She goes, because I love what I do. Because her identity as a follower of Christ is to be a person that serves. You can follow on social media the members of our church that coach their children and coach other people's children in the Little League sports. It could be softball or soccer or volleyball or, you know, the glorious baseball sport. And I love it when they say, hey, we played hard and this is how our team did. And there's always pictures mom and dad have put up about the team. The ones I love is when it shows the team kneeling to acknowledge God's presence in their lives after a game. Win or lose, they're light in a world that is often filled with darkness. You see, when the people of God were in their darkness of exile and God was bringing them back to restore them, to restore their community, he said, you're not going to be the same anymore. You always thought that it was the priest that did the holy work. Well, you're going to be called priest. You're going to be called ministers of our God. How are you going to engage in that? <laughs> Sometimes when we think of the work of ministry, we think, I only get asked to do the stuff nobody else wants to do. The stuff that people think is not very glorious. Yeah, Isaiah talked about that. He said, the things that you saw as dishonor, God will see as a double portion of honor. It's not that you do these things in shame. Instead, everlasting joy will be yours. I ask you, friends, what's the status of your relationship with God? As you think about your faith, as you think about your relationship with Christ, when you think about the work that God has planned for you to do, what's your relationship status? I sure hope it's not recently single because that would mean you're trying to do it all by yourself. No, I hope it's really even more than engaged, but I'll take engaged. That I am engaged with Christ. I am committed to Christ. I pledge my life to Jesus, and Jesus pledges his life to me. And because I love him so much, I will gladly serve him. It is part of who he has made me to be. Would y'all pray with me?